Have you, a friend, or family member ever considered writing a book and getting it published? Well, I have the perfect idea for you. You should contact Wasteland Press. Wasteland Press is a self-publishing book company, and since they started in 2000, they have published over 4,000 book titles. That's right, over 4,000 book titles, and they make money from your book, not you, and they work for you non-stop, full-time. You can sell your free copies when it's all said and done to make an investment off of your book, and there is no other publishing company that can offer that. They provide full-service publishing for you and your book, which includes the cover design and formatting. And they also have a plan that can fit your budget, which includes the basic plan, the silver plan, the gold plan, the platinum plan, and the ultimate plan. If you want to find out more about these plans, you can contact them at 502-437-0860. That's 502-437-0860. And if you want to request a publishing guide, you can contact them at wastelandpress.net. Do it. You won't regret it. Make your dreams come true with Wasteland Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Goff. And the last time I did an episode was December of 2020. It is now August of 2021. And with college football season already starting tomorrow, well, officially starting tomorrow, college games have gone on, have started already since last weekend. But nonetheless, the real part of the season officially starts tomorrow and got a lot that a lot of that to talk about today in today's episode um just over the summer just a lot of interesting things to say the least have happened in the world of sports and uh especially uh with local you know especially uh, with teams that i talk about you know dominant you know predominantly like uk basketball and uk football i uh, with UK football, the you know Stoops hired a new offensive coordinator. At that I think is going. That was a home run hire. You know, of course, that's to be seen. But I think it, you know a Liam Cohen was a great hire, and I think it's going to be really good for the UK football program. And when, when, like I said, though, we will see this season UK basketball. John Cal Perry just going out this summer and doing everything possible to make sure that. The travesty that happened with the nine and sixteen team, that that never, never happens again, and really, you know, the, the UK basketball team this year is looking primed for I think a pretty damn good season. NIL was a built, you know, a law that got passed over the summer. That you know, that's probably the biggest story of the summer, and pretty much changes. You know the the fabric of college athletics forever, it forever changes the the what college athletics and college sports it completely changes what that's going to look like in the future. And of course, we've got other things like Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big Twelve for the SEC, and um, that's pretty big as well. And then there were four teams. That uh, that just applied. I think that are what well, was reported today. Four teams are planning to apply 
to the Big 12. And I think they're pretty interesting names, names that I think would, you know, still keep that Big 12 conference afloat. But starting off, I'll talk about a little bit about NIL. So if some of you guys don't know already what NIL is, NIL is name, image, likeness, which basically means these college student-athletes, whether it's football, basketball, or soccer, baseball, softball, gymnastics, you name it, player student-athletes can now make money. And right now, it's looking like there's no cap to how much they can make, you know, because you got Nick Saban at that pretty sure it was at at the SEC uh, media days saying that his quarterback has almost made a million dollars. Now by now he's probably made over that. Yeah, and I just read an article recently, you know, just today that uh, that came out about a week ago that an Ohio State freshman quarterback just netted a one point four million deal. You got a you know players signing with big names like UK um UK basketball player Dante Allen signs a deal with Bojangles. You got also got Sam Howell, a Heisman hopeful quarterback for North Carolina, also signed a deal with Bojangles. You got players signing endorsement deals with Canes. You got Bo Nix, Auburn's quarterback, signing a deal with Milo Sweet Tea. You got just a a wide range of deals going on now. You got players doing stuff for Cameo. I know UK basketball. I'm not so sure about other teams, but I know UK basketball, pretty much their whole team is doing Cameos. And I think players can really, you know, first of all, I think this is a great thing for the players. I've always felt like players should be able to get paid. And that that's honestly how... It, sh- it should have been for the longest time. Amateurism was stupid from the start, and if you don't think it's a good thing, I don't know what to, you know, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's, this is pure capitalism, and if anything, it's going to keep, especially on the basketball side, it's it, it's going to keep. You know, I really, I, and we've seen evidence of, evidence of this already. I think this will sway more as you know, college, especially high school uh, basketball players from going to straight to the G League and the pros and staying in college. And I think NIL does, I think, especially on the, looking at the basketball side, again, I think this is the best way for the NCAA to combat the G League from poaching high school recruits and keeping those high-tier, really good high school recruits uh, from going pro and then to the to college. I think also when you look at when a player's already in college and let's say at the end of their first year, they are basically uh, certified to be picked in the second round, but they could be, you know, might be fringe first round, but most likely they're going to end up in second round. I think that, you know, especially with NIL, it's going to persuade those types of players who have a tough decision on, you know, whether or not to go pro or not after their first year or so. They 
you know, can have a decision that no matter what, they're going to be making money. Like, they can go come back to college now and not only improve and get better and be, have a higher draft stock for the next season, but also make money while you're doing it. So, especially on the basketball side, I think that NIL will definitely keep uh, not just, you know, high school recruits, but also players that already get currently in college from going pro and, you know, staying in college and making money. And improving. So, I guess, and right now, NIL is the Wild Wild West. I've already said, you know, the multiple endorsement deals the players are making, including some shoe deals. You know, I know UK basketball and multiple players on the UK basketball team have signed deals that are off the court. I don't, they're not actually like on court, you know, basketball shoes, but they are off the court like sandals. And even then, that is a, you know, a pretty big deal that, you know, that's an option that players have never been able to have before. In the NIL, man, um, right now there's no really – there are rules, but there's it's not – it's just like rules that will last them a season. It's not going to be rules that will last 10 years. So I definitely think until the NCAA – finds out and you know makes these concrete rules it's going to be continue to be the wild west and popular players are of course going to eat from this um especially if you have a large social media following i know there's a lot of gymnastics women um that in college that have you know you may not know them because of the sport but their social media following is so large that they're going to get endorsement deals and make a hell of a lot of money from it. And again, I think that's a good thing. And uh, I think every player will have a chance to make money. Even if... Um, even if you may not be widely known. And, um, and look, you may not be... You might be a walk-on that's not widely known nationally. But locally, you know, all the fans love you. And even though you're not playing a lot, people love you. And you do something that makes you known on the local on the local scale. You do t-shirt deals and make money from that. And I, I, I think especially from, from a player's perspective on basketball, football, or whatever, doing signings will also... Make you a lot of money, it's, you know. Especially, you know, imagine Anthony Davis being able to do signings and how much money you would have been able to make. You look at someone like Benny Snell, and how popular he was, especially around you know around the Lexington community, and 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 general nationally in general, would have made a lot of money from this, and he was already with the Snell Yastov, so. And players, I think, no matter what, are going to be able to make money, no matter how popular you are. But definitely the most popular ones, yeah, they are going to eat from it. And, yeah, they're going to make the bulk of the money. But, again, every other player, every single player is going to have their chance. And that's my honest opinion. And, again, 
NIL, this changes the complete future of of college athletics. And the thing is, the teams, when you look at it from a football, basketball perspective, the universities, not, not just football and basketball, we look at everything. The universities that figure out this first, that really figure out NIL, they are going to benefit the most. They are going to win this thing and be set for a long time. Uh, and if you figure if you figured it out, then you're already ahead of the game. And if you want to be a university that doesn't like it, and I, you know, just, there's just been there's been rumors that you know, especially you know, on the UK side. That you know the whole athletics department that the that the teams may not be that there's some tension there between you know maybe Mitch Mitch Barnhart and the you know the rest that you know maybe that they're not that maybe Mitch Barnhart's not completely on board with NIL and I think that's gonna be, that's a that's I think that's gonna be a bad thing especially for UK especially you know. If you're not on board with NIL, you're basically going to be held back because this is the future. This is not going away. This is going to be, no, this is going to stay for probably the rest of time. So teams, they need to get on board, especially UK. Mitch Barnhart, UK's athletic director, needs to get on board. And, you know, and we're going to see where this goes. I think especially... We'll get a clear because right now no one really knows anything. Even that uh, you know it's been out since I think June now or July. Even then, it's you know nobody knows how it's gonna, how this is going to go, and nobody knows the full extent of nil. So and we'll definitely see that once the say you know once there's a more firm set of rules for this. But yeah, NIL, that's definitely something to keep an eye on for the future. And you got Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 to join the SEC. This is one of the news pieces that, you know, when I first saw it, I thought it was ridiculous. I didn't think it was actually going to happen. And then all of a sudden, not too long, much longer, that gained traction. And now Oklahoma and Texas are set to join the SEC officially And I think about 2025. Uh, the reason that it's going to be about three or about three to four years is because the Big Twelve currently has a TV deal in Texas and Oklahoma. You know they they want to fulfill, you know, not not get in trouble, and they want to fulfill that contract that the Big Twelve has with uh, with the TV deal that they have. So that lasts until twenty twenty five. So that's when Oklahoma and Texas are going to be leaving the Big 12, like joining the SEC. And I think a big portion of that, the reason why it's going to happen is the sole purpose is money. Uh, you know, you got, and I, you know, I read something. I don't know what, remember what the exact number was, but I just know by Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC that they are going to make a you know, just a crap ton of money. You know, more money than people, you know, 
that pe- people are going to eventually have just for showing off. It's, uh, you know, a lot of money. And again, that's a pure reason. I do. I really do think that's a pure, uh, the pure reason. And, you know, I think the scheduling, I think that the games, well, I think if it, on the basketball side, I think definitely think it makes the conference, it makes it more tricky. And I think it makes it better. When you have teams playing, you know, Oklahoma has years where they're good. And Texas, they've always thought they had talent, but they've never been able to, you know, reach their full potential. But adding those two on, you know, just on basketball, it makes the SEC better. Um, and I think it'll make wins look better. And um, on football, of course, that's as that's going to be, when you look at the schedule, the possible matchups for with that with with the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma joining it, it's just going to be fun those matchups are going to be those are going to be some fun game to watch when you get a week you know maybe a yearly of Oklahoma versus Alabama or Texas versus Alabama which you know you're not going to get that a lot and I think again that's going to make the just the conference so much better make it the premier conference in uh in all of college athletics, really. And when you look at it, uh, the the four teams um, that are going to be... Uh, the four teams that are going to be joining uh, that are, you know, rumored to to want to apply to, to be a part of the, 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 uh, the Big 12... I think it was uh, BYU, uh, Cincinnati, UCF, and Memphis are the teams that are going to try to apply to be in the Big Twelve, and I think that's those are some good teams. That no, very interesting, and I'm that would be very intriguing. Not only on the football side, but definitely on the hell on the basketball side. That should make things interesting. Um, and football, you know, Memphis is always decently good. BYU had a hell of a year last year. Cincinnati is a top 25 team this year. I think even top 15. Uh, and UCF, they're always pretty good in football. And, you know, basketball, some of these teams are not always good. but And it still makes the Big 12 an interesting conference. And that's something that might, you know, you have to always, you know, you ask a question, what happens if, the, if these teams don't, what if that flops? And that's another conversation to have for another day about, you know, these teams, you know, BYU, Memphis, Cincinnati, and uh, UCF. If they come to the Big 12, if it doesn't work out, yeah, that's a conversation to have for the future and what the Big 12 should do. But just from right now looking at it, I think that's a good move uh, for those schools because they're not great conferences anyway. But when you look at it from the Big 12's perspective, yeah, they need to bring these on because I think that's going to be the best way to, I think, move forward and keep your conference afloat. Because losing Texas and Oklahoma, that you're losing a big part of what your brand is. Texas, when you look, think about the Big 12, you think about, you do, on the basketball side, you think about Kansas, but you also think about, and especially football, you think about Oklahoma and, te- and Texas. And there's also been a rumor that, hell, that Kansas might be 
that Kansas might be leaving to go to uh, the Big Ten, which I could potentially see happening. But right now, when you if you get those four in, again, I think it's the best way for the Big 12 to attempt to stay afloat. Uh, would, it, would they say a folk? Again, that's a conversation for another day. And uh, that would be to be seen. Uh, but yeah, that was a the major piece of news um, from Oklahoma. in on From just Big 12, just... Oh, actually, sorry. I just saw a thing where it's not Memphis, but it's Houston. Uh, that's, um, that's... That they're going to be joining the... Uh, uh, the a plot to, to try to join the the Big Twelve, and again, look, Houston football, they're all uh, football, they're all always interesting, and basketball, look, they I think they just made the Final Four, didn't they last year? And now, uh, granted, it was a crazy year, but they always have a decent. I mean, their basketball teams are decent, um, and their football teams are always usually on a decent side as well. But again, I think that just makes sense. I think again, big way for. Big Twelve to try to make their keep their conference from going down under. Uh, so, and the next thing I really want to talk about was UK football. So, the last episode I did again was December of twenty twenty, and if I remember correctly, what I had talked about in that episode was, you know, I think that was uh before the South Carolina game, something like that, um. Maybe it was after about uh, Stoops. He had a lot of decisions to make, obviously. And what he what did he end up doing? Uh, well, Stoops had a lot of basically questions to answer about the the program going forward. Because I think a lot of fans were, you know, going five and six. We still won a bowl game, but we still went five and six. So, and the offense was, you know. To put it, you know, in nice terms, I guess, you know, it they weren't good. Last, you know, the offense wasn't good last year. So, what does he do to answer everybody? Like, what's he gonna do to try to up the program? He, go, you know, he fires Eddie Grant. Now, I think Eddie Grant did a lot of good things here. He did, um, especially when you look at the running game, or you know, a running game that would that was our game for multiple years. Um and it and it worked for a bit. And you know, like look, two thousand eighteen we went ten and three with it. But the game is changing so especially you know, the game is changing so fast and evolving so quickly that it's going you cannot be a team going forward that just does not have the ability to pass. And Kentucky was a team, especially last year, that did not have that ability. And I wouldn't I maybe someday we'll know, but I just feel like we will never know what the situation was with Mark Soups and Eddie Grant. In the in terms of how how much play calling, you know, was allowed from Eddie Grant. Like how was he do? Was did they have? Did he have the ability to call a lot of the the plays on offense? And I, you know, when you look at how the that they were, you know, the offense was, you have to think that no, he didn't 
have a lot of free, you know, free reign to do what he wanted to do. Stoops had a lot of play in that offense. And a lot of that is because Stoops wants to run the offense in a certain way. And I think, I don't think there was, look, I don't know if there was a lot of tension. I, I don't know if there was tension at all. But it just obviously wasn't working. Stoops knew that he needed to make some changes. And, and I know that had to be hard on Stoops because I think Eddie Grant was with Stoops ever since the Florida State days. So, and look, you know, with Eddie Grant, look, like I said, I don't think we'll ever, we'll ever know what the situation was. Maybe one day, but we won't. For now, we won't know what that situation was. And I think, you know what, I mean, Eddie Graham, he was at, he's had offenses at Cincinnati where that was a very pass-heavy offense. And he had the ability to, call, you know, throw the ball down the field. Now, again, I think that just goes to show that, yes, Stoops pretty much had the full reign of the offense. and But Eddie Graham, yeah, he had the title of offensive coordinator, but we know we I think we all know who the real offensive coordinator was, you know, during those years. And but regardless, like I said, Stoops knew that he had to make changes. He just did. And he goes out and it was basically down to two people. I think it was Jim Moorhead, I think that's the name, who was off he was a head coach at Mississippi State for two to three years. Uh, he was recently, you know, the offensive coordinator at Oregon. And I think that would have been a pick that resembled <laughs> a lot of Eddie Grant if Stoops had picked him because Jim Moorhead's a lot of a a definitely similar offense would, with what Stoops would want to run. And ultimately, I think Stoops knew that he needed more. That he, that he would, I look. If he hired Jim Moorhead, I think I don't know. I don't. It wouldn't have worked out, you know, for my for a couple of years, or just with talent. But, um, but eventually, that just would that would have just gone how it like it did with Eddie Grant. Um, but yeah, but if they hired Jimmy, the, or if they hired Jim Moorhead, it just would have, you know, a lot, you know, similar play calling to what, uh, to what Eddie Grant and Mark Stoops were doing with the running game, a lot of RPO stuff. But what he does is he goes out and hires an NFL guy. A guy who's worked with NFL wide he was a wide receivers coach and recently he was the quarterbacks coach and worked under Sean McVay in the West Coast offense under the Los Angeles Rams. That's who Mark Stoops hires, Liam Cohen. And look he is in I think he's a hire. I think that in the long run this will be a home run hire. I just do. He's young. He's he's only thirty five. Um, he is. I think he he will want to run an offense that's fun for not only for the team, but it's gonna be fun for the fans. I think there's gonna be a lot of passing involved. I think there's gonna be a mixture of running. There's gonna be a lot. You know the tight ends. 
Oh, if you look at the Rams' offense, they run a lot of two Titan sets. And, you know, when you look at Kentucky, you know, they've had great tight ends that have been underutilized. And with Liam Cohen, I think you're going to see a lot of more tight end action. Um, uh, I think, again, more passing, more, more just more explosiveness. And again, he knows what it takes. You know, he's worked with wide receivers and quarterbacks. He knows what it takes to be an NFL quarterback, and he knows what it takes to be an NFL wide receiver. And his knowledge of being in the NFL for multiple years now, I think that's going to carry on with Kentucky. And I just think that is a was a hell of a hire for Mark Stoops. He did something that you know what we you, you, we all need to do this in life. Sometimes we just need to make a change that's going to be for the better. That's gonna you know make our lives better. And, and I think when you're afraid of change, you tend to stall. And I think that's what this Kentucky program, I honestly think, I think that's what where they were headed at one point, you know, especially when you look at last season. I think things were looking to stall, especially with, with Eddie Grant. And I think hiring Liam Cohen and how explosive his offense is going to be here, and I honestly believe that. I think it's going to be explosive. I think that is going to be bode well for the future, and I think that's, you know, I think that brings in certain energy back to the program that they didn't, that, you know, the fan base maybe didn't have. And I think that gets everybody on board for the future. And the only bad thing about him and this is the only bad thing. And he's and you know, if he does well and he's successful, he won't be the offensive coordinator here very long. He will get a job somewhere, probably head coach. It's gonna be a good job, and he's gonna be paid a lot of money. More than he'll you know, he's probably getting paid here. So definitely if he's successful here and considering how young he is, he will you know, he won't be the offensive coordinator here for that long. I'm just going to throw ahead and go and throw that out. That will be the case. Like, especially, like I said, if he's successful here, he will find a better job and probably head coaching. It's just, it's just bound to happen. Um, but UK has him now. So they're going to use, utilize that. And again, home run hire. I think it brings back just a sense of, you know, an urgent, really, an urgency from Mark Stoops to push forward the program and to be able to have an offense that's free flowing, to be able to have an offense that can move, actually move the ball down the field. You know, I think that's gonna that hire is gonna do wonders, especially for the history of Kentucky football. Now, and also with Kentucky football, you got to make predictions for the schedule. Since their first game is tomorrow. Now, tomorrow they do play the University of Louisiana Monroe. Now, they're the University of Louisiana Monroe, they're not considered, you know, you might probably never even, never even heard of who the heck they are. But they're not, they are probably the bottom feeder, bottom feeder of the whole, you know, world of NCAA football. And that's a game that Kentucky, yeah, should easily win. I'm excited about tomorrow. 
just for the simple fact, I just want to see how this offense looks. Now, you know, I already said I think it's going to be explosive, and that's what I'm hoping for. But I'm excited to see this offense and how it's going to look. I'm so excited to see it. You know, what I hope to see is I want to see, you know, I want to see quarterback Will Levis, you know, make – that's someone else I haven't even talked about. Uh, Will Levis has been named the, of course, the starting quarterback for Kentucky this season. He beat out. And Joey Gatewood, you know, transferred from, you know, just transferred to UCF, which I you know, because of the fact that he lost uh, the, the starting job to Bo Allen and, and, uh, or lost the starting job to Will Levis, he was going to be a, even a, a third stringer because Bo, Bo Allen had apparently been playing really well in, in, in the summer practices and got a lot better over over um, transitioning from the spring to summer um, and throughout summer. So, yeah, Joey Gatewood transferred. And I you, you can have your opinion about that, you know, whether or not, you know, he did, this is his second time transferring and he just wants to go somewhere, obviously, where he can be the obvious starter. And UCF, after a year, he would be a guy. I don't. I didn't know if he would transfer again, just for the fact that, you know, he's, you know, where you know, especially where you went UCF, you know, they already have a guy, and he's gonna, and he's probably gonna have to wait another season just to be even the starter, which what I think, you know, and he obviously, you know, he went to UCF because of the fact of the fact that you know that's just where he's from, and he just you know want to be closer to home, I guess. So yeah, that's he's gonna he's gone now. But Bo Allen be in the backup. And Will Elvis is the starter. And I think, you know, especially we've seen from practices and some clips that UK has released. I mean his Will Levis's arm looks phenomenal. He can definitely throw the ball deep. And I think he can get you know definitely get the ball down the field. And this is again, this is and I look. I think Liam Cohen's going to utilize that, and I, I firmly believe that. And again, this is why I think this that hire of Liam Cohen just instilled an excitement into this program that they just didn't have. But they already had some excitement because we had a couple good years in a row, and we we've won what three with three straight bowl games now. But again, I think it was stolen, and with that hire. Installs a, a just with especially with Will Levis and how good he's been looking, and getting Wandell Robinson, uh, a Kentucky boy from uh, you know from uh, from from Frankfurt, and his uh, uh, you know just his how he you know wide receiver who's you know how he's how good he's been looking in uh, over the off season practices and how good. Uh, everybody else's and how good Will Levis has turned out in practice, how good his arm looks. I think we're in again a, a new era of excitement for this program, and I'm excited to see it again starting tomorrow against U- uh, University of Louisiana Monroe. It's a game that Kentucky should easily win. They're a 31 point favorite, and if they if they lose tomorrow, and I'm probably never gonna do a podcast ever again. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, it's a game that they should win. And uh, 
pretty single-handedly and be able to maybe maybe even be able to see Bo Allen a little bit tomorrow and see the backups. And, um, and again, I think tomorrow the most important thing I want to see is I just want to see us be able to get the you know throw the ball down the field, and I know it's not a quality opponent. I just want to see that. I just want to see that Stoops knows that, you know, things are changing. And look, he's given us some, you know, some signs. He you know he went out and hired Liam Cohen to change the offense. But whether or not you know actually showing it on the field is a completely different thing. And I think we're gonna see that result tomorrow. And then the next week, which is a game I'm proud to say that I'm going to, is a Missouri game. Kentucky versus Missouri. Missouri is uh, coming down to Lexington uh, next weekend. And I think it's going to be a revenge game. I know I think this is a game that last year many people were expecting Kentucky to win, and they didn't. And uh, Kentucky, I think definitely a lot of the players returning from last year's team, they want to get get them back. And this, I think this game, uh, I don't think you – know, I could be totally wrong here, but I, I, think, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, now, as far as talent, I think Kentucky has – I think Kentucky and Missouri, they're, you know, they're – Kentucky's better if not on par with Missouri as far as talent. And, I, you know, I know Missouri, they have a really good quarterback – but their coach is still in their second year, and Kentucky really should have never lost that game last year. And I think Kentucky ultimately, I think they get this win. I think it's I think it's important that Kentucky gets this win for the 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 simple fact that you know in 2018 when Kentucky went 10 and three, a reason that they were able to have a successful year is because they got off to a hot start and they started out five and zero. They Kentucky has a chance to start out four zero if they you know, beat Missouri next week. And then we also got Chattanooga uh, the week after Missouri, uh, which, again, it's a game that Kentucky should win, start out 3-0, and then they're traveling. Then Kentucky's traveling to South Carolina. And, again, look, South Carolina's going through a a really just a, 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 a difficult time right now. They have a new coach. They're trying to instill a new system. I think this is a game that Kentucky should, you know, they've been able to prove that they can, the so last six years they've been able to prove that they can go down there and beat South Carolina out South Carolina. So I think this is a game that Kentucky needs to win and keep winning, and, and I think they will win. And I think, again, with that being said, Kentucky starts out 4-0. I think that they need a 4-0 start in order to have a truly successful season. Um, and then after uh, traveling to South Carolina, uh, the week after they come back home for two straight games to play, and well, really this three game stretch that comes up after South Carolina, they play, and I think this is really the stretch that will determine the season. Uh, you got three straight weeks of playing Florida, and then LSU, and then Georgia. Now the good thing about the Florida and LSU games this year, they are both at home. Uh the yes, those are both home games. And it is look, Florida's losing a hell of a lot of talent uh from last year's team. And last year they look, they were great, but this year they lost their quarterback. Uh, now the quarterback that they have playing 
that's uh, gonna that's taken over their starting reins from Kyle Trask. He's you know he's pretty good, even though he hasn't gotten a lot of time on the field. He is good. So, but but they still have questions on everything else, uh, especially on the wide receiver. They probably they lost the best tight end that they've had probably ever in Kyle Pitts. They lost multiple uh, two wide receivers, I think, that went on and um, that are in the NFL right now. And uh, their defense is still, you know, there's still questions about their defense. And this again, this is a home game. So if anything, this is a a game for ch- you know a chance for Kentucky to come out and win. And you know, you could say two years ago Kentucky should have won that game, and they should have. They should Kentucky should have won that game too straight. Probably you could actually argue, actually argue Kentucky should have won this game three years in a row from 2017 to 2019. But again, um, you, you got this is a good chance to beat Florida. This in uh, go along with the fact that it's a home game. It's going to be rowdy. That Florida's lost a lot of talent. This is a chance for uh, the you know for Kentucky to start out five and zero, much like they did in twenty eighteen. And then they got LSU. Now LSU, they're not no look. They have their brand name. They they are great. They just won a national championship a couple of years ago. And um, but but at the same time, they don't have Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson walking through that door right now. Now their defense is going to be pretty good, but their offense has still look, much like with Florida, but reserve uh, but re- reversed. I mean, the, the their offense has a lot of questions, and uh, especially who's going to be you know, like quarterback and uh, wide receivers. And much like Florida, Lois used lost talent even from last year, not even from a couple of years ago. They lost their top wide receiver last year, from last year to the draft. I just think, and again, I'll go along with the aspect that it's that it's a that it's a home game. This is a good chance for Kentucky, you know, to beat them and start out start out six zero. As crazy as that might sound. Now, but as far as my predictions, I predict Kentucky to start out 4-0. I think they beat University of Louisiana Monroe tomorrow. I think they beat Missouri next week. And then I think they beat Chattanooga. And I think they beat South Carolina. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I think that Kentucky will beat Florida this year. I do. Um, just, again, for the, just the reasons I just listed. And main one being, it's a home game. It's going to be rowdy. And the fact that Florida lost talent. I think, you know... And Kentucky has even proven that they can beat Florida even with lesser talent. And I think Kentucky has, you know, the offense and talent to do it this year in the defense. So, again, I think Kentucky wins this game uh, against Florida, and they start out 5-0. Now, LSU is a different story. I do. I, I think it's a chance for um, – I think Kentucky could win that game. I don't think that's out of the realm, like, at all. But at the same time, it's still LSU – they have great defensive players, defense you know defensive players that could potentially shut down our offense, and I do think it's a game that LSU will win. So I do think Kentucky uh, at record after that will be uh, I think they will be five and one, and then they travel to Georgia, which I think you can you know assume that it, it's a loss at this point, and I think I think Kentucky uh, is then five and two, uh, and then they travel after Georgia 
after traveling to Georgia, they traveled to Mississippi State. And I know a lot of P- uh, Kentucky fans have looked at this, or not just Kentucky fans, but you know people just making predictions in general that think Mississippi State will beat Kentucky. And now in previous years, the home team in that series has usually won. Kentucky's always usually won at Kroger Field, and Missouri or Mississippi State's always won at their home field. And um, that again, that's been the case. But I think when you look, it comes to the point where you can't just be like, "Oh, well, the series has gone one way." Um, uh, you can't just be like that. Like if if you want to show everyone that you're going to be a different program, and that uh, that you want to be able to battle with some of the best, then you got to be able to just go to. You know, you got to be able to go away from home and beat teams that you know you can beat. And Mississippi State is a team that you know you can beat. And it's not even confirmed that Mike Leach's offense can even work, especially in the SEC environment. So his this air raid offense. So I, per, me personally, I think Kentucky goes down to – Mississippi State and they win, and I think uh, Kentucky is then six and two. And you look at the last three games of the schedule, um, which are games that Kentucky should win. You, um, you look, you then you play Tennessee, which that should be. I think that's that's a win. Kentucky, and you know Tennessee is going through a really, really, really tough time right now. Uh, with their program, they're, then they're transitioning, and they lost a lot of uh, a lot of you know players to to the transfer portal a lot from last year. They have a new coach. This is a game that Kentucky should win and take hold of this series and win multiple years in a row. It's a game that's going to be also at Kroger Field. They should win and move to seven and two, and then they play New Mexico State, which is also a team to be considered a bottle uh, a bottom feeder of the the whole NCAA football world and that should be a win and Kentucky should start out eight and two and then Kentucky should be eight and two and then Louisville after that um and uh Louisville I don't see much improved. I still think that they have to have a lot of questions to ask. I don't think Satterfield is their guy to lead them into the future. And I think it's a game that that Kentucky should win. They should keep winning this series. Louisville is not that great. They should win, and Kentucky should start out and finish. Well, I keep saying start out. They should finish the season, I think, with a 9-2 record. That's how I think it will go. And, um, yeah, 9-2 with, uh, with a, you know, had potentially a, a shot to make a a bid for to be in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Um, now the only way that that pretty much is going to happen is if what well, in order for Kentucky to make the SEC championship this year and finish first in the East this year, they have to beat Florida and LSU. Two straight weeks in a row, and the that's a tough task, especially for Kentucky. 
that's a tough task to beat to ask them to beat Florida and LSU two straight games or two straight weeks in a row. But ultimately, I think Kentucky wins one of those two games. I think Florida is probably the more likelier one because we've you know because Kentucky's proven that they can that they can beat them. But I think one of those two, either Kentucky beats Florida or they beat LSU and and they lose to the other. I think that's ultimately how it goes. I think they win one of those two games. I don't see a scenario where they lose both, and I I, I just don't, and I don't. I think they can be. I think they can be at least one of them. <clears throat> and then the Georgia game, look, they can just pull off a shocker and beat Georgia. Yeah, but I don't. I don't see that happening. I just you know I think they'll be more prepared for Georgia because I think they have the talent there to be able to do it and hang with them. But I think ultimately, especially at Georgia, it's going to be a tough win. Uh, it's going to be a tough game to win, especially at their place. And uh, No matter what, I think Georgia wins that game. And in, what Mississippi State, yeah, it raises a lot of questions considering it's at their place. But I, I think Kentucky should beat Mississippi State. And um, But, yeah, look, I think you can definitely break this season down into three sections. You start off with four straight games that are all winnable and that you should win. You should beat Missouri and you should beat South Carolina. And no matter where they are, you should beat them both um, and start out 4-0. And then you have the three-game stretch that ultimately determines how well or it determines, I think, really in the, when you look at it in a larger scale and when you look at it for 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 the long haul uh, is how you know how far you've come as a program. I think already this Kentucky program – has you know when Mark Stoops got here, it was in shambles, and he brought it back up and into one of the most stable programs in all of college football. Now I think if you are able to actually beat Ford and LSU and start out six and zero, you're looking at potential a potentially a a season that's rarely ever seen in Kentucky football. Not at least not one since one that's happened. And since the 1950s, where if you beat Florida and LSU, and you just lose to Georgia, you're you are looking at a ten and one uh, start to the season, including the bowl game. Like you're looking at a shot of possibly, you know, being eleven and one. And now that's crazy talk. I'm not going to say that that that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's what. Kentucky has looking for, but and that that's the type of season the way it plays out. I think Kentucky fans and this football team. I think this is going to be a fun season, especially again with the way that this season shapes up, and um, I think there's a lot of winnable games on that schedule, and it's a, a shot for Kentucky to, you know to win a lot of games and keep going forward and 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 continue to be winning a lot of games. Um, now, as a Kentucky fan, you have, always have to ask yourself, what's good for you? You know, especially in regards to football. I mean, they've had years, you know, what, what's is seven, eight, is 
seven to eight wins a year going to be good enough for you. And now they've had multiple years in a row where UK was just a terrible program. They were in the same exact spot that Chattanooga and University of Louisiana Monroe was, where they were just a bottom feeder. Now they're a stable program. Now they're a decent program. And you have to keep asking, how do you keep getting better? And what's going to be good for you? Again, is seven to eight wins a year going to be good for you? Or are you going to eventually expect more, especially with the type of players that you're getting? And, you know, look, the seven to eight wins, if that's your mark after multiple years of, you know, mediocrity, then good for you. I'm just, I think for this program, especially with how they, with how the coaches talk about the program, as, um, I think you definitely have got to win big games. You know, you can't just leech off the non-conference games and always win those and then just do subpar in the SEC. Now, and I understand that the SEC is always going to be tough. They they always 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 are. But you got it when you have a chance when when you have talent that can win you games, you've got to be able to go out and prove that you can do it without as much talking as you do. And I think beating Florida and one of Florida knows you, that's how you do it. And again, if if you just win one of those, you're you're setting up for like double digit win season again. And we will see how that turns out this season. I'm excited and I hope everyone tunes in to that. And I think again, it's another college football season where I'm, you know, last year was weird. But this year, you know, what fans, I've been watching some games already. Fans are back in the stands. It's good to see it. It's good to see a lot of, you know, to see something going back to looking like it's back to normal. And um, it's, it's just going to be a great sight. And I'm excited to see it. And I'm glad the college football season is upon us. Um, now, uh, going forward with U of, uh, or UK basketball, uh, I said earlier that Cal, that John Cal Perry has, um, uh, that he went out this summer and, you know, he, much like Mark Stoops, he had, after March, after losing that first round game in, in the SEC tournament, after having a 9-16 and season, look, John Cal Perry had a lot of questions to ask, or to answer, like, how is he going to change the program. How is he? Um, how is he going to make sure that what happened last year never happens again? What is he going to do? And I was skeptical. You know, he he knew he had to change, but I was skeptical as to if he would change what he does. And lo and behold, he went out and proved that he's willing to do it. He got CJ. He got shooters. He got Kellen Grady, one of the you know a coveted gov, uh, graduate transfer, who's scored over two thousand points in his college career. Who's also you know a pretty deadly shooter at that. He's got CJ Frederick from Iowa, who's also who was the last two years has been one of the most deadliest shooters in all of college basketball. With a career percentage, I think of like forty six percent from a three point line, something that Kentucky that Kentucky desperately needed last year, and Cal Cal went out and got him. Cal went out and got himself a point guard that he knows will get 
will be successful and severe Wheeler from Georgia, who led the SEC last year in assist. And he's more of a true point guard. He's only about 5'9", if that, 5'10", somewhere around there. And he, um, you know, a true point guard who can run the offense, is not afraid to take it in the side, and it will be able to find wide-open players and be able to distribute the ball. He went out and got five-star uh, recruit Ty Ty Washington, who in practice, you know, people are saying, look, man, he is the real deal. You got Keon Brooks back. You got Davion Mintz back. John Cowper's, you know, his... His um his dagger thrower, someone who's not afraid to shoot the ball when he needs to, and take the last shot, and one of your most consi- probably the the most consistent player from last year's team back, he's gonna be good. You got Jacob Toppin, who's coming back, of course, and he's made strides in the off season. You you, you just got a lot. You got Ke- again. You got Keon Brooks back. You got Oscar Shibway anchoring down the five spot. You got all these players, and I th- and, um, I think it makes – you got, of course, a bench with Dante Allen. You look, you got four or five shooters on this team, and it's, you know, to be quite frankly, to be quite frank with you, I think this is – we're in for a season that's going to be exciting. You know, I think it's going to be a good team, a team that can shoot. It's a – you know, you, when you look at the national championship uh, champions from last year, Baylor, they were a team – Pretty much full of transfers, aside from, uh, you know, from Jared Butler and Mark Vitell, a team full of transfers that you know were loaded up the you know the rotation of that team. And I think this Kentucky team, there, you know, he's following that same formula. I think this is a team that's you know suited for success. And you look at the off season. Or you look at the the non conference schedule that that the Kentucky, uh, the basketball that they just released. Look, I know it's gonna suck for home fans and not seeing any good teams, but they got seven straight games of playing really just terrible teams. Well, and again, I think this is a chance for Kentucky to win a lot of games um, down the uh, and and the schedule. They got good games. They're playing Duke. They're playing uh, Notre Dame. Ohio State, Kansas, they're playing good teams, and I think it's going to be a good season. And look, Cal definitely answered the bell, and um, he won. I think there's a lot of times where he's going to play a three uh, a three guard uh, lineup, and I think it's going to be quite exciting. And um, I'm I'm I was just ecstatic to see Cal Perry knows that or that he knew that he needed to change, and he went out. And got the players that he needed to make sure that you know that that's not going to happen again. And you know, when you look at the recruiting, and and not, I haven't even brought this up yet, that he made some coaching changes that he knew that he needed to make. Uh, sub in Tony Barbie and and Joel Justice, bring back Coach Orlando Antigua, who was a vital part in Cal's you know you you could say the glory years with Kentucky. A vital part, a good recruiter, and good with and good with the players, and then bring in Chen Coleman, who's a, a up and comer, who was uh, both came from Illinois, by the way. Um, he is a um, a guy who can recruit. 
very well and who's you know has a lot of enthusiasm uh for you know and I think it's going to be uh I definitely think that um uh, that that you can and go on with Jay Lucas who's very you know a young another one of those young up and comers who um who I think recruits very well and he has builds great relationships with these high school recruits. I definitely think you cannot ask for a better coaching tandem from John Kyle Perry to Orlando Antigua to Chen Coleman to Jay Lucas. I think it's a that's a great coaching staff. They're Kentucky's looking like they're gonna about to lock up the number one player in the twenty I believe in the twenty twenty two class. They already got Scott Clark, who's a top fifteen player, already signed up and ready to go. But now it looks like they're gonna get Shaden Sharp, who's the number one player in the class. Um and looking like they're also gonna lock up a couple more in that class where things are looking like they can go back to normal and Kentucky's gonna be on top. And that's what look you know, honestly that's what it's looking like. And um, I'm excited for UK basketball. And uh, I think, um, yeah, I think in this episode, it's good to be uh, back to doing a podcast. I know I haven't done one in a very long time, but uh, I know I probably didn't sound great in this episode. I don't have a normal equipment. My equipment kind of crapped out on me, uh, and I got to get some more equipment. But as far as right now, I'm going to be looking back to trying to do this podcast weekly that's my go and uh you know just talk about whatever's really going on uh in the sports world and uh, and and much more than that and also uh coming soon uh my girlfriend and i hannah we are planning on starting very soon a true crime podcast where basically you know with the degree that she's trying to get and especially in forensic and uh, being a crime lab technician and all that and what she's doing and her knowledge of that and just me podcasting and all and all something true crime we talk about it all the time and something that we know very well. Uh we are going to be, you know, uh doing a podcast where we just basically talk about true crime and talk about different things, maybe like serial killers and uh just it's different, you know, just basically just true crime and I'm Basically, what I'm trying to say, I'm excited for it. I know she is too. And um, be on the lookout for that and starting a new podcast. It's the, it's the True uh, the Crime Couple pod, True crime couple Podcast uh, is what it's called. And like I said, be definitely on the lookout for that. Both very excited for that. And um, again, I know I probably don't sound great starting out. Uh, with my first podcast in in months, but um, you know, to everybody who continues to listen, and uh, I appreciate it. Um, and again, of course, you know, just whenever you listen to an episode, just make sure you, you know feedback and and all that stuff. And definitely at the end of this episode, you hear a thing where about our social media and how you can uh, all our social media and how you can find the Bandcase Sports Podcast and all of that. So until next time, thank you for joining me in the Man Cave. 
Just want to thank you guys again for listening to the podcast. And if you want to follow us on our social media, you can find us on our Facebook page at Man Cave Sports Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Man Cave Sports Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Man Cave Podcast. We're uploading stuff every single day. You should definitely check it out. And again, thank you guys so much for stopping by.